0: Welcome to another episode of More Than A Podcast. It's your host, James, as always, here to give you guys more of the greatness. So we're going to jump right in. New episode for you guys this week. Hopefully you are having a wonderful weekend. I know I am. When it comes to what I have been up to or what I'm playing, more importantly, you know, it's crazy because I've been playing a lot of high-profile games lately. I've been watching a lot of streams and friends who are kind of playing some games of their own But, you know, this weekend, I actually decided to jump back into uh, a series that I am very fond of, and it is uh, the, uh, what do they call it? The, well, Virtue's Last Reward is the game. That's what I recently have been jumping into. Um, Just been having a blast. It's so crazy because, uh, you know, I've um, been through that game maybe a handful of times, and you would think that I would remember a lot of those puzzles and stuff for those who haven't played virtual last reward. um, I forgot what they call the series. I think it's called the zero series or something like that, but it's basically visual novels. And in these visual novels, you have to do escape rooms and it, it, you know, what's crazy is that, you know, this, this series of games with their escape room concept was like popular before like physical, actual escape rooms that you can go to. Uh, became a thing so it's kind of cool to just think that like they actually were you know doing games like this before you know we were able to go out and do it ourselves with our friends and all that stuff plus nobody's kidnapping you and you know doing all the craziness that uh is in these zero escape uh games but anyway that's what i've been playing hopefully you guys have been playing something cool too if not playing then just relaxing enjoying life and all that um Got a really good episode for you. Got a really, really, really uh, uh highfalutin episode that we're gonna get through. Um first topic of today. Uh I you know, I was doing a poll and you know, I do a lot of Mega Man polls. I really enjoy Mega Man as a series. And, you know, when, when I talk about when I talk about Mega Man, I mostly specifically am referring to the uh main storyline the uh NES canon and you know it's always so funny because in reference to that now and I'm never I'm never specific to it when I ask my questions because I like when I like when the answers come from you know different directions and the majority of the time that people answer me about Mega Man in you know any question that I offer they always refer to the X-Series. And, you know, it, it just got me thinking because because I've, I've been very adamant, mostly joking, um, saying how much I despise the X-Series. And it's not so much that I despise the X-Series, but I had to ask myself, what caused me to really miss the X-Series? And I think there's a lot of factors um, that have weighed in to me never experiencing the X series because I believe the X series has gone all the way to what eight or 10. Um, And yeah, I, I have very little experience with the series overall and I just find it very uh, odd because, you know, I I want to understand the um, appreciation and the celebration that this uh, series gets, but I literally can't understand it. And so when I think back about my, you know, my experience as far as coming up and playing video games and stuff like that, I think the first thing that I thought, because here's the thing, I did play the original uh, uh, Mega Man X, I played that one, that was, you know, you know, it came out and I was like, okay, this is going to continue with what, you know, where I left off on the NES, and what's crazy about where I left off on the NES is that I really didn't genuinely pick up uh, this series after the third game. I think that was like the first time in my entire life where I unconsciously chose uh, to appreciate something in its not so much its entirety, but where I felt it should have ended. So when I went through one, two, and three, I think that was just good enough. i I, I just said to myself, this has ended on a note that I can appreciate. And so, you know, four, five, and six coming out, I didn't really care. I did not care very much at all. And seven just kind of missed me. And I think seven seven so seven and X, right? Those were two S C N E S games. Um they kind of missed me because, you know, for for the first for the for the first reason, I didn't have an S C N E S. Um, at least I didn't have one in the traditional way of like, you know, getting it bought for a birthday or Christmas, you know, a lot of times uh, there were consoles that I may have experienced it, but they have they were by way of like friends and whatnot. And these friends didn't have these titles. So I think that was like the first thing. Um, But as I grew up and, you know, things became more accessible and, and I was able to kind of go back and experience some of these things, I just never was able to get the X series to resonate with me. And I think one of the other factors of why I didn't like the X series, because I I really enjoyed the simplicity of how the robot masters were named. And you know, like, I I don't know, like I was, I I remember um, when I first experienced uh, the X series and they were calling them the Mavericks or something like that. And it was just, it was just all so weird. It was just all so weird. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, I I refer to him as Mega Man. Most of you refer to him as X. Um, He was just so different. He was just so different. And I just I don't know, like I didn't need the upgrade. And I think I was just, you know, really kind of anchored into my belief that the best of what Mega Man uh, as a series could ever offer was going to be in the style of NES and that's all there was to it. But, you know, it's almost contradicting because, like I said, I never really I never really went back to go and experience four five and six until way, way later. But, you know, in the later years, I wasn't as, you know, adept at completing games like this. So I don't want to say they were wasted on me. But, man, like, I, like yeah, I, I, I can I can go through one, two and three pretty easy because it's kind of, you know, ingrained in my memory but four five and six i yeah no <laughs> and, and i and i think they have really awesome robot masters and stuff like that but i i don't think i could ever beat those games and then just to kind of elevate that back to the x series it's like i just felt like man this is just this is a lot you know and and i and i think i you know because i i've played enough of like the original x Where, you know, because I I understand by concept that, you know, you you fight these particular robot masters or Mavericks and, you know, uh, you know, some are going to be or all of them, because if you're really, really good at what you do, you can defeat every boss with uh, your X Buster or whatever or or Mega Buster uh, as referred in the original series. Um, But I don't think it was as clear cut for me and it was just so hard to just figure out you know, who was weak to what, where should I go, where should I start? And, you know, this is before, you know, FAQs and, you know, online guides and YouTube and stuff like that. So it was just frustrating as a young person. So I just, I don't know, like, you know, I, I just, I enjoy the simplicity of what the original Mega Man's offered, not to say what they brought later with 9 and 10, because, you know, those were a return to form, but those were brutal as well. Um, but you know, I would, I would much rather get my butt kicked in nine, 10 and also 11 than to even attempt anything in the X series. And I hear a lot of people, um, cause, cause, uh, you know, there's another protagonist, which I'm only familiar with through fighting games called, uh, zero and uh some long blonde haired guy with a sword and i think that was my other thing i was like dude like i, I like the whole buster thing you know like i just want to run around with the buster and i just want to you know go through the levels and i want to you know uh break levels because i got something that causes me to walk in places i wasn't supposed to walk before or or blast a wall open that i wasn't supposed to access you know like that was my whole thought. And, and, and I'm pretty sure people are listening right now and are thinking, but you can do that. It's like, yeah, I know. But they just put it behind so much to learn. I just don't got the time. I really don't. And so I just stand here, you know, upset, mad, and, you know, frustrated that I'll never have the experience in the X series as most uh, people do. But I'm okay with that. I'll live. I will live. <laughs> Another question that I had um, that I asked online, really interesting, um, I was asking about uh, Castlevania, uh, more particularly uh, people's favorite protagonists. And, you know, it's so crazy because everybody has been, you know, like they, they've been throwing out a lot of different protagonists, a lot of people that I don't even know, a lot of people that I couldn't even name off the top of my head. If you told me, name me 10 people from Castlevania, I probably could do it, but they wouldn't all be protagonists. Um But in light of the protagonists that have been brought up, one name that keeps coming up and it's really frustrating is Soma Cruz. And it's it's only frustrating because it reminds me so much of what I'm speaking about with the X series. It was featured on handhelds that I had either little experience with or not enough experience with. And, you know, when I was when I you know, when I did have the particular handhelds that they came out on. I wasn't really worried about Castlevania. You know, I wasn't worried about Castlevania. And uh, I think the only handheld Castlevanias that I really, truly appreciated were on the Game Boy Advance, um, and that was, I believe it was Circle of the Moon and Harmony of Dissonance. And um, yeah, those were really good. Those were really, really good. I really like Harmony of Dissonance um, so much for the fact of them having a great protagonist in uh i don't know people say his name different i say juiced belmont um used just I i don't know um but i I really like that protagonist i think the story was pretty good um and overall it was it was a very um groundbreaking game for what technology was in the game boy vance um And then later down the line, as the DSs and the three DSs had come out, um, I'd come to appreciate one of my favorite handheld uh, Castlevania games in Order of Ecclesia, which has nothing to do with the protagonist who's carrying a whip. Uh, It's Shanoa. She is a, uh, uh, you know, she has this power to absorb these glyphs and, you know, and basically and, and, you know, I've mentioned this online. And people have told me, like, listen, it's so similar to the way that Soma Cruz operates. The games are just almost one and the same. You should try that one. And I'm like, I I don't know. It's just something different. It's really something different. And I really love Shanoa. I love that story is probably one of my favorite, um, you know, Castlevania-ish stories because it's not so directly related to the history or the story of the Belmonts. And I think that's what was refreshing about that story that I really appreciated was that it wasn't um, a direct connection or correlation with, you know, the uh, historical uh, battle between the Belmonts and Count Dracula. But yeah, I just, you know, for as familiar as they may tell me that the gameplay would be to experiencing the uh, I don't know. Do they call it the uh sorrow series? I, I don't know. Um, dawn of sorrow and area of sorrow. Is there two or three? I can't remember. But you know, people keep telling me to go back and play them. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I will. Um, because there's a lot of people. Like I said, for for every one, you know, uh, protagonist name that I hear for the first time, I hear Soma Cruz twice. You know, it's and it's just it's insane. So. Yeah, there, there's that. Now, though, now here's a bigger question that I, I want to ask. Can Castlevania, can the franchise Castlevania exist today? Now, I know a lot of people are going to cheat themselves and say, well, it kind of already does because Bloodstain came out. Yeah, but Bloodstain's not quite Castlevania. I mean, can a true proper Castlevania exist on this generation's consoles? Or would it be an instance where they have to continue being only on handhelds. Like how can Castlevania exist today? I mean I, I personally would enjoy a Castlevania today. Um I, I I think that they should definitely try to revisit that. But if they revisit it, I definitely want it to be something in the vein of Simon's Quest and Symphony of the Night. And I want it to be a 40 plus hour game with, you know, optional party members that you can either have accompany you or switch out. I want it to have multiple paths. I wanted to have day and night cycles. Um, I wanted to have actually, I, I forget a day and night cycle. I want them to put you on a very strict time. Like, dude, 30 game days, you got to, you know, get this done and if you don't get it done in these 30 game days, you know, you'll either hit a hard, uh, a hard game over or, you know, the closer you get to the final days, you know, you get the worst ending. You know, if you kind of do it a little quick, like you're almost on a speed run, get kind of the best ending. You get something somewhere in the middle. You get what the normal ending would be. And then again, if you waste a little time and you, you know, just kind of uh, messing around a little bit, then you get the worst ending or just a straight up game over. I think that would be really, really cool. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I would listen. I don't think they'll ever do another Castlevania, but if they did, I'd be happy. But I'm, I'm more holding my breath for another Bloodstained. Um, before we ever see another Castlevania. I, that's just me. Um, moving on. Wanted to talk about some uh things going on recently in the video game world. Um, I know that the PlayStation VR two has been kind of making the rounds and people have been able to get their hands on them and experience those. Um, But, you know, it's, it's so crazy because just even in the, even in the announcement of the PlayStation VR two and, you know, the experience of knowing that, you know, the HTC hive and, um, you know, the Oculus and, you know, all of these different virtual reality uh, headsets, I, I really beg the question, is virtual reality ever going to be a mainstream way of playing games? And I honestly, in my opinion, believe that the answer is no, because I, because I, I, this is what, this is what I feel like with, with virtual reality. I feel like if you really want virtual reality to be something that is so, sub you know, submersive that a person just truly gets, lost and locked into you know the experience of of you know playing it in that in that manner i think that you gotta you gotta have like almost like a danger room setup you gotta have a you gotta have some somewhere that's big enough to accommodate for all the movement that would be necessary i think that it would be cool if you could have you know in an open space things are things that are interactive to said game which is kind of crazy because how could just, you, you know, like if if you were if you had to climb a ladder in a Call of Duty VR game, how the hell did you do it? If, you know, you weren't in a place that was already set up for that for said game, because nobody's just going to be having ladders set up. And I think it'd be kind of tiresome to do the motion of climbing a ladder in in virtual reality. So it's like I, I feel like I feel like virtual reality is a is a cool gimmick. I played the original PlayStation VR. I thought it was cool. I always like to tout the fact that I beat um, Resident Evil 7 in VR, which okay, but that wasn't this super overly immersive experience. I think another thing that would be cool is if you had, you know, maybe some kind of, uh, I don't know, a vest or a suit or something with some haptic feedback. But how would that play into your true senses? You know what I mean? Like if you're like, again, if you're playing a Call of Duty game. And you're playing, uh, you know, competitive and somebody rails you up with a, you know, AR-15. I mean, that's got to feel kind of devastating. You know, if your haptic feedback is like plugging you, you know, full of holes, this is going to be like, yo, that, that that's a little too real for me. But I think that would also be dangerous because it would desensitize you to the reality of something as traumatic as a, a gunshot wound or something like that. But that's just one case and scenario i mean there's many different ways that you could experience vr um i know that they i believe they've released uh grand theft auto 7 vr um which you know sounds cool um but how much you know it it, how much do you want to experience a car driving game versus just going outside and really driving your car like i i I don't get it i i don't know I, i i don't get it I, th- I think there. I think there are some instances where this should work, and where it is fun, and where where my imagination could go, and I and I can kind of, you know, elevate the thought of yeah, this is a possibility. But I don't think that it applies to every single game. You know, I don't. I don't think it applies to every single game. I think there's. I think there's a select few games, and and, and that's therein lies the point, because if there's only a selection of games that would work. In the instance of VR and and how expansive that can be, can it ever be mainstream? I think it. I think it's just going to remain lacking. I just don't believe that VR is ever going to be so immersive that it it that it's going to revolutionize gaming as a whole. I th- I, I honestly think that where we are and where he, where we have been is going to be good enough for what we want to experience i think it just has to be an end with a console a controller a display and just keep making the games just keep being creative with the games but as far as how you experience the games i don't think it's too much that we need out of that i don't i don't think that i don't think we'll ever you know see a a a spider-man game where we can go full vr and feel feel ourselves swinging from building to building and you know because again you you like can you really Immerse yourself in that feeling if you're sitting on a couch? No, absolutely not. But that's just me. I don't know. Do you enjoy VR? Maybe you do. Um, something else that, that's kind of come out into the wild uh, there's been some footage of some gameplay of Final Fantasy 16. I know that is slated for this year, I believe. Um, and I'm excited. I'm super excited. I said that, you know, I, I said years ago that. You know, I was out of the market for video game consoles. I will not be, you know, wasting my time trying to get my hands on a console. Now, here is where everything changes. Because if, you know, Final Fantasy 16 is a smash hit, if it is something that that goes off like gangbusters and everybody is, is just super excited about it, I just may get a little excited myself. And I just may use this to be that killer app that gets me out and gets me buying a PS5 because uh, it's it's PS5 exclusive uh, from what I hear. I do not believe it's going to be a day and date with PC. I wish it was. Um, I know for, you know, the history of how Square Enix has been going, they've usually uh, kept their games exclusive to a system for at least a couple of years and then make a transition to port over to uh, either other consoles or PC, um, and I just don't got time to wait. I want to ex- I want to experience Final Fantasy 16, uh, you know, same day as everybody else. I, I think it'll be huge. Um, but, you know, it- it's it's something that's really worrisome and very bothersome. Now, I've seen a little bit of the gameplay and, you know, there- there's still a lot to speculate. There's still a lot to take in as far as what the experience is going to be you know in in full um you know i'm still very curious about um the party system you know how many characters will you get to collectively you know uh uh request to join your your party and how how expansive is the world is it only going to be something that's concentrated in you know one particular continent or will we be able to you know travel to different places you know like how expansive is the game going to be you know um are there going to be uh secrets that you know we would have to unveil i know that a lot of the game is focused on uh you know uh these uh summoned entities if you will you know like they you know we've seen plenty of uh footage of shiva and ifrit and uh phoenix and whatnot but are there going to be secrets are there going to be more that will come down the line i know that with the way that games operate today a lot of what uh has potential is usually locked away behind you know paywalls and dlc and stuff like that which is really kind of just i don't know it's a shame because i just you know like like i'm old school you know like i just i still appreciate games like you know seven and eight where, you know, you could you could go down a linear path and you could just do everything that's just the story tells you and you'll get a selection of whatever. But if you go off that beaten path and you do a little to the left, a little to the right, a little on down, a little on up, you can come back and just have all kinds of experiences that you wouldn't have had if you, you know, if you just went ahead and just, just beat the game straight forward, you know. I like I want to know like are they going to have ultimate weapons that your various characters can can get like and and you know that that, w- that was the one thing that I felt like they kind of slipped on with 15 because I remember I remember back in the day when uh, I would play like seven and eight right and I would uh I would get into these quests to obtain these uh, ultimate weapons right and i would amass these ultimate weapons i think 8 was probably like my my best one cuz i think every i think i had everybody with their ultimate weapon and i mean i was pulling 9999s nine, 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 out of everything and um and like 15 wasn't like that and maybe maybe it was the way that i was grinding i don't know but you know like i ended up getting the strongest uh sword for noctis at least the the strongest that you could build and i just wasn't impressed you know, it just didn't feel like godly, you know? Not like the ultimate sword that you get for a Cloud, like you know, like that man, that sword was a trip, you know? And I forgot the I forgot what they call uh Squall's uh sword, his ultimate weapon. I think it's called like Lionheart or something like that. But yeah, like I you know, I, I really liked working for ultimate weapons and hidden summons and, you know, things of that nature and I just, you know, there are still questions. I just have a bunch of questions. And I hope that they'll be able to answer these questions before the game comes out. Because I really don't want this to be something that they're just going to make me accept just because it is Final Fantasy. And I do hope that this is something that pays attention to what longtime fans have been, uh, uh, you know, faithful to. And just, you know, I, I don't think they should focus so much on who they're bringing in as new fans. I do think new fans are important. But, I, I mean, I would just leave it to the fans that are, you know, staples to give, you know, give that knowledge to those who, who lack it and say, hey, bro, you should be playing Final Fantasy 16 because it's pretty, it's pretty freaking dope. Leave it to them. You know, if you're just trying to come out the gate and say, yeah, we made a Final Fantasy that's so accessible. It's like, ah, I don't need accessible. Just need it to be fun. I need it to be good. That's it. But we'll see. I mean, we got... Months and months, and we will see where we are. Another game that has been seeing some uh, gameplay footage and ramping up for their release within the next couple of weeks or next few weeks um, is Resident Evil Four. Oh my gosh, I am uh, getting more and more hyped and excited for Resident Evil Four. Um, I, you know, it's it's so funny because I've actually been an advocate for no longer purchasing resident evil 4 because you know like i was around when it originally came out on the gamecube i know the majority of people had their experience with it on the playstation 2 and then you know you know they they like they just kept coming out with it on different uh different systems different iterations and and you know it it that's fine and dandy and i know they made a truckload of money on it and, you know, with with the success that was Resident Evil 2 remake, it's like, okay, now we start begging the question, what else can they do and what else will they do? And it's been inevitable as far as I thought. I just, I knew it was coming. I was like, you know what? There's no way that they are going to go through these titles and not uh, give us a Resident Evil 4 remake. Because at this point, they've... Sold the I mean, honestly, I think they could have still I think they could have brought the original to uh, PS5 and Series X and still sold gangbusters just on the original one. But I just think that this is exactly what they should have done. Remake the game on this new engine that you've got out, um, you know, implement some changes and make this a game for this modern time and allow fans of the past to have their experiences while also giving them something new and not not as dated because i think that's the one thing that when we do revisit older games we kind of tend to say okay you know this kind of this felt this felt cool back in the day but now this just kind of feels like it's not it I've, i've 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 uh experienced other technologies that kind of make this feel a little dated so they're gonna i know they're gonna do a whole lot to make this feel acceptable to how people play games today I hope they don't change too much with it or about it, but I got to say, it looks exciting. It looks stupid good. It looks really, I mean, looks comparable graphically to a lot of the modern Resident Evil games that have been coming out in the past, you know, three, four years. Um, But as far as me comparing it to the experience that I had with the original, man, it looks good. It looks good. and And I got to say, I'm going to grab it. I'm going to go ahead and grab it. I will grab it. It's going to be a day one for me. Absolutely. I don't have to wait for a sale for Resident Evil 4 Remake. This is going to be an absolute gem of a game and I cannot wait. Um, The most hyped thing that I am waiting for is that Krauser uh, knife fight. I got to get in that fight. I'm going to be pushing to get to that fight and and just have a time because that was one of my favorite parts of the original game. So Hopefully you guys are excited for that, but I do also want to, I want to, you know, like, here we are a couple of weeks away from the release of this, but I'm already asking myself, what's the next game that they're going to remake, right? Or are they going to remake another game? Do you think it's, I, I, I personally think it's too soon for them to be thinking about 9. Um, I think they should put out one more remake and then get to 9. And I think with 9, they should probably consider maybe um producing a new engine um but you know that i mean uh, you know i'm just talking out my butt but um if i had to say what other remake i would want them to focus on and i've asked this question as well um me personally i would like them to uh, remake a game that i haven't had enough experience with something that I've wanted to go back to, but because it is so dated, I'm like, ah, I don't know if I can. And that is Code Veronica. I think that they should do a Code Veronica because I think Code Veronica is one of those games that it has a lot of love as far as uh, fans in the Resident Evil community. But I think it's also one of those games that kind of sort of flew under the radar. Um, Just, you know, I, I don't think it was as accessible to people as as like the main uh the main series entries and so I don't think enough people got to play that I think another one that somebody brought up to me they were saying you know they should remake Resident Evil Zero I don't know so much about Resident Evil Zero I played a little bit of that I wasn't really that big of a fan um I love me some Rebecca Chambers but I mean how how good how good could a remake of that be I don't know I feel like if they remade Zero, it would probably get about the same amount of love that that the remake uh for Resident Evil 3 did cuz I don't think Resident Evil 3 was particularly good. I think it was I think it was a worthy remake, but it wasn't something that the majority of fans were waiting for. Um another one that I think that they should remake and was brought up to me and I said, mm, "Makes sense. I, why not go back to the original one? Just remake the original." It's where it's, you know, it's it's the remake that started all the remakes. You know what I mean? Like, because we had the original PlayStation games and those had become severely dated with the advancement of uh, video game consoles and technology. And then when they remade the original one back on the GameCube. Oh, my God. That was just like that was a whole different level. And I feel like we are so we we are far enough removed at this point. To reintegrate where all this came from and i just really like like i don't i don't want to get because here's my here's my other problem or here is my problem with resident evil i don't want to get away from the viruses and the zombies i love that stuff when we start getting into uh the the like the 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 plagas and the you know all these uh these uh like what was five about like it was basically them trying to weaponize the virus, right? Like, I mean, they're they're all weaponized viruses, but, you know, it was just pretty evident that they were no longer zombies, uh, so to speak. But I want to get back to, like, the zombies, like the actual dead people walking around. I want to get back to the hunters. I want to get back to the dogs busting through the windows and all that crazy stuff. I think it would be cool if they did remake the first one and just make it stupid, wicked, scary and just get back to just the horror that was because because as as these games have moved on, they've become less scary and they've become more actiony and, you know, they, they, they've they still leaned on the survival aspect of, you know, um you know, watching all of your, you know, your goods and making sure that your resources are in place, make sure you got enough bullets and enough health resources and stuff like that. Like that stuff's always going to be the staple. But they've gotten so far away from from just the game, just scaring the complete crap out of you and revisiting the first one and focusing on horror first. That is something I would really, really love if they did. Um, it worked. It worked a lot for, for Resident Evil 2 because Resident Evil 2 was really, really scary. And I think it was especially scary when you consider how they introduced the new mechanic of uh, of Mr. X and how he was kind of hunting you down through the precinct, that was just insane. It's totally different from the original game, but absolutely insane. And I think they could do a lot with that going forward with the series if they remade it in the original game. And then after that, they can talk about 9. But we'll see. We'll see what they're doing. Um, In other news, in other information, something else I wanted to talk about, something that's been racking my brain. I haven't done this, but maybe you guys have. And I want to know... Is $70 for a game going to ever be all right? Or are you guys sticking to the guns, just going to keep paying 60 because 60 is that sweet spot? Now, me personally, again, I am not really at liberty to say what games are worth 70 versus 60 versus 50 and 30 and whatever. But where I game at this point, I am observant to the fact that It is not the thing for me to do because I game on PC, uh, namely the Steam Deck. That is how I get my game on. And I've seen a couple of games in Wild Hearts and Forspoken that have released for PC and they've come out at $70. Now, for me, I don't find it justified. There's nothing that I feel like they are offering me technologically graphically or even from the manner of entertainment i don't think anything is worth that increase in price when you when i think about wild hearts and what i've seen of it right which which is really crazy because you launch this game at 70 dollars and it's completely borked it's like it like it doesn't work the way it's supposed to work out the gate but you want people to pay 70 dollars you know you got forespoken highly lauded game people thought this was going to be a masterpiece it was going to be a game changer and the closer to release it got the doubt start sinking in and release came and bleh you know it's like it's not quite the game that people thought so again it's like is the $70 justified or is this just developers asking too much to make up for wasted time? Because I just don't, I I don't, I don't see it. I mean, wild hearts is, you know, I don't want to say it's nothing, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's a monster hunter clone. And from what I see, I don't think they're innovating anything Better than what Monster Hunter proper has offered us. At least not worth 10 extra dollars. I could save myself 10 extra, those same $10 and get Monster Hunter World and be just as happy. And that game is what, five years old, five, six years old? I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't get it. You know, forespoken to me in my mind, where I see it, how I'm observing it. That game came and it went. I hear nothing about that game anymore. I saw people who were playing it said it was pretty good. It was all right. You know, don't put this game down. Did you play it? And I don't see it being played. I I just it's not in the rotation of uh, people's uh, current experiences as far as I'm seeing. So, again, is $70 worth it? I don't think so. And I think that these developers and these producers and, uh, you know, everybody in the gaming industry, I think they need to take a long, hard look. And I've said this before on shows before on shows I've done before. I think it you know, for, for most consoles that come out to, you know, to start a new generation, it usually takes them about two or three years to really get the grind to get the gears going. I've had friends who I who I've heard say explicitly you know the experience on PS5 with these particular games isn't anything you know it's not pushing any boundaries so that's that's that would be the point that would justify an extra ten dollars to me is if you're pushing a boundary that I cannot experience in any way shape or form anywhere else if you're doing that then I can I can consider ten extra dollars but If you're not, then what are we paying for? But that's my two cents. So moving on. (laughs) Um, Moving on to other things that I feel uh, can be justified or are they justified? It's a question that I would like you, the audience, to ponder. Uh, Is a new Last of Us Part 1, is it really okay to be releasing that? It's another game that's going to be coming out uh, within the coming weeks and yeah, it's like Resident Evil four. It's a game that has been released and released again, and it's been on many, many consoles. And now it's uh, coming out for the PS five as a remaster and for the first time ever coming to PC. But is this a good thing? Is this what we need now? I'm going to speak from the perspective of somebody who doesn't have experience with this particular franchise or, or doesn't have very much experience because I did, you know, when I, uh, you know, I was living out of state for a little while and I came back and my cousin had a PS3 and one of the games that he had was The Last of Us and I popped it in because I heard so many good things about it and I just wasn't sold. Nothing in the game made me say, yeah, this is going to be an all-nighter. And that's just me. That was just my personal experience. And then the PS4 came out, and I grabbed my own PS4, and I've played several different games on PS4, and they released a game on PS4, and I just ignored it. I just ignored it because because I didn't find it to be something that was gravitating it didn't gravitate me however the impending release of last of us part two now that was a game that and 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 again this is how i operate basically you know there are games that i can be excited for on my own but for the most part i like to go off of the community's feels for things if the community is out and about and they're saying man i cannot wait for this game then I will experience it with you and we'll both have a great time. Um, and I went out and I bought The Last of Us Part Two, and I got through a substantial amount of the game to understand uh, the particular motivation of the main character and, and you know, just kind of flowing through the story a bit, but it wasn't something that kept its hooks in me. wasn't that it was too hard. wasn't that it was that I couldn't understand because I didn't play the first one. It just didn't resonate with me. And so, you know, and I know there's a substantial number of people who haven't experienced this game. I know I'm not the only one. Now for people who haven't experienced the game, they actually have a caveat now, because if you haven't been living under a rock, you know that there's been a really awesome interpretation of the last of us on HBO max, uh, which is a show that they, I believe they are about six, seven episodes in. And let me tell you, this is probably one of the best shows in my 43 years of living on this earth that I've ever seen in my life. And I am not overselling. I am stating facts. This is a grand show. And this is said without the experience of having played anything significant through the first game to grand show i hear people tell me all the time ah, you gotta watch you gotta watch uh, house of dragons you gotta watch game of thrones i will watch neither i will watch last of us three more times in their entirety before i even watch one episode of either one of those shows and i'm not missing anything i don't care what people say i'm not missing anything i'm not missing anything i'm not in the politics I'm not into politics I'm to, you know, reasoning and survivability. And what are we going to do to get from point A to point B? It's that simple. Now, for those, again, who may be experiencing the show like I'm experiencing it, that therein lies the difference, because now I ask myself the question, is a new Last of Us really OK? I'm saying yes, because now now I want to play. And I made this statement online. I said, listen, if the Ellie in the game is anything like the Ellie in the show, I will totally enjoy this game. You can just book it. I will enjoy it. If she's whimsical and and as, as aloof and as brazen and just says what she wants, when she wants, and, you know, if she just has that feel to her like she does in that show, dude, I'm, I'm buying this game day one. It's not even a question but are they doing a little too much? I just need to know. What does it say for the fan of the game who did buy it years and years and years before? I mean, are, are they, are they applauding the fact that more people get to experience one of their favorite franchises? Are they upset because they have to buy the game again? Or like, how do people feel about this? I really need to know. I, for me, this is all a great experience. Now, now, I do have a question on whether this would have been the same reaction had the had the had, would this have been the same reaction if the show came before the game? Could could this be as um as monument as monumentous of an occasion if the show had come out and it had been awesome and then they turned around and made a game? I really don't think so. I think the game really. Lent everything of its existence to how great this show actually is, and I know a lot of people. I you know I look at a lot of the uh, online mediums, and they uh, you know episodes come out, and then by the next day they're comparing scenarios from the you know the show to the game, and it's usually in a contrast of appreciation. You know, because, you know, they're not saying like, oh, well, they totally didn't do this part. No, you know, people are really enjoying that that it almost seems like the game and the show is one to one. That whether you play the game or just watch the show, you'll be fine because you will have experienced The Last of Us Episode one. But for me, again, I will totally go out by the game, play it. Continue watching Last of Us and watch Last of Us again and then play more of Last of Us. And I think that's going to be my little tandem right there. I don't know if it's going to ever get me to play part two. And the reason why is because even though I didn't have any experience with one. By the in the intro levels of the game. I had already grown accustomed to who I favored, who I liked. So I was pretty dug in. And then they gave me a Walking Dead Glenn moment and I said, "Yeah, I'm done." I tried a little bit more just to kind of see if things got better and I was like, "No, it's not better. It's not better. It's not better. I don't I don't I still don't feel better. <laughs> I'm I'm still hurting and I'm just going to stop cuz I don't want this pain." And that's what I did. But listen, I'm going to go out. I'm going to play The Last of Us. Hooray, hurrah. There we are. Um another thing I wanted to bring up. This is this is not huge, but I definitely wanted to vo- wanted to hear people's vocal opinions on this. So I was, you know, on the Twitterverse as I usually am. You guys can hit me up more M O O R E T A podcast on the Twitter. Um and I observed someone say something that it it didn't it didn't affect me in any type of way but it definitely had me scratching my brain. And they were going on a soliloquy about uh the term JRPG being controversial and that they would no longer be using JRPG because this was insensitive to the Japanese culture who have been painstakingly making some of the best RPGs for us to experience. How dare us call these JRPGs. And I was, I was stunned. I was a bit moved because I felt like, okay, someone is very passionate about something that they believe, but is this really a problem? And I, and I, and I, I I mean, I thought about this for a good long while and I think I, I, I brought it up in a stream because I didn't want to make it, a, um, you know, I didn't want to make this a topic of discussion or conversation until I got to the show. Um, and I definitely didn't want to approach uh, the person who made the statement. Just considering how sensitive of a topic it may have felt for them in that moment. So I didn't want to, you know, come off as combative or anything, but here's my two cents because here we are we're on my platform now so i can say what i want um i think people in this current day and age are just really grasping at straws and trying to ball up a fistful of sand on a lot of things that really hold no weight at all we have been referring to jrpgs as such for decades and you know you can't sit here and tell me that in all the many years that have passed by that if anybody ever had a problem with the reference of japanese rpgs being referred to as jrpgs that they did not over so much time ever express their distaste for such a terminology how does it how how is it that all of a sudden this is a derogatory term i feel like this culture that we are in is so just up in arms and and combative and i feel like if it's not one thing it's another it's like the example that I brought up last week with Hogwarts Legacy. It's like, you know, you got all these people that were sitting here polling to, you know, destroy and dismantle, you know, the very existence of Hogwarts Legacy. Don't go out and buy it. If you buy it, you're you're insensitive to my plight and my position. And listen, I'm not insensitive to anybody. I love everybody. But you are not going to tell me what to enjoy how to enjoy anything? You're not gonna tell me shit. Excuse my language, but you're not gonna tell me anything. I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want to do. It's like I would expect out of any of you. You guys can go out and you could you can listen to my show and you can just and I can appreciate that out of out of, you know in the in the best way possible. And you could be the absolute worst person in your own personal life, but guess what? That's your personal. Life, it has nothing to do with me. I'm not saying I don't care about people, but what you do in your personal life and your personal views and your personal perspective on life, that has nothing to do with me. Until you make it an issue for me, I have nothing. I have nothing for it. And that's not a level of being insensitive or not paying attention or not, you know, not being conscious or you know like no it's it's i I just think people just spend too much time wanting to be upset about something wanting to be controversial about something And, and and i just don't think it works you know as i said before like they try to tear down this game. This game turns around, sells like gangbusters. And then what's the first thing they do? They go to another game. Oh, Atomic Heart is just such crap. It's such crap. And, and, and they're supporting the Russians and they're doing this and they're doing that. Look, dude, calm down. Calm down, because I came from a day where this was just all about just video games. It's not just it's not political agendas. Take the politics out of video games and just keep it out. I wish they could take the politics out of social media and just keep it out as well. But that's not something that I poll for because I feel like people should be able to say and do whatever they want to do. Say what you want to say. Unless it's something about me, I don't care. I care about you as a person. I hope you as a human continues to thrive and succeed in everything that you wish to do. But I don't understand why people take so much time so much of their own life to just bring controversy and turmoil and negativity. If somebody can explain it to me, what truly is so negative about the term JRPG, please, I, I, I am I am open for the discussion. Which we can do with spaces on Twitter. And we can discuss it because I need to know. Well, no, I really don't need to know. I really don't care. But I but I would I would be open to hearing your views. Do you agree? Do you not agree? I don't know. We're moving on. We're gonna move on to something a little bit wholesome as we close out this week's episode. Um, as many of you know, or for those of you who do not know, uh, there was that terrible, terrible, terrible earthquake that has affected Turkey and Syria, and it's been pretty devastating, and, you know, lots of people lost their lives. I mean, listen, uh, things happen all over the place, and I know some of us go through a lot of crappy stuff, um, but in my view, this is something that, you know, living through this time, it's just like, you know, to be observant to this, it's a terrible tragedy, and all I can think to do is help, and hopefully, um, you guys, you know, can ponder the thought of how you could potentially help. And listen, we in this community of playing video games and enjoying video games, we have a way that we can do it. Um, I was actually put on to this by another friend of mine. Um, shout out to Crook uh, from my uh, Steam friends. And he let me on to a uh, humble bundle that is priced at thirty dollars, and all proceeds of that thirty dollars will go to the efforts in helping Turkey and Syria uh, recover from that devastating earthquake. And uh, for you, as the supporter, you're not walking away with with uh, nothing. You know they uh, the bundle that they're offering has Gotham Knights, Ghost Runner. Pathfinder, uh, Kingdom Maker Enhanced Edition, XCOM 2, Saga, Starfinder, Payday 2, and Euro Truck Simulator. A, a wealthy amount of games that you get for the good effort of helping people that truly uh, need your help. It's only $30 for the bundle. Um, if 30 is something that's too big to ask, I would just implore you to just. Go to Red Cross, go to any one of your nonprofits that are um, that are looking to help them. Anything helps just help these people because you know, it, it's it's, uh, it's one thing to go through a natural disaster like this, but in the sense of uh, family and losing loved ones and losing your home and your way of life, it is absolutely something that I could never fathom for another human being to ever experience. So to that cost, $30 means absolutely nothing. So, yeah, if you're uh, interested, I would say um, you could visit my uh, page on Twitter. I'll be posting a pinned post with the Humble Bundle there. Or like I said, again, you can go to any one of your favorite nonprofits that are supporting the uh, earthquake relief in Turkey and Syria and just do whatever you can. Go to Red Cross, do whatever you can um, and just, you know, help out a little Goes an absolute long way. Now, with that being said, you guys uh, have been great uh, listening to me ramble on and on and on. I think this was a great episode, but um, I do it for you guys and I do uh, what I can to just keep people uh, in a positive way and in a positive light. So, with that being said, you guys already know the drill. I'm getting out of here. I don't know if you guys are able to tell, I am sick. I got the sniffles. I've been, I've been sucking down snot all day and trying really hard to just get through this episode without uh, sucking my face down my nostrils. But um, yeah, I'm going to get out of here, get some rest. Hopefully I'm better by next week and we'll get back to doing what I love to do, which is giving you guys more of the greatness. So with that being said, take care of yourselves and each other and I will see you guys next time. Bye guys.